This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me. Help. Help. Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Warthog Man Cave Manly Man Command Center. Man Cave inside the Melton Law Studio. 352-325-3938. Melton Law, the only law partner of the University of Florida. I'd like to thank um, Melton Law and all our sponsors uh, for keeping us going. And I'd like to thank the response that we got yesterday from people who contacted me and said, we're ready to help you uh, back up your systems. And uh, we are now discussing uh, with production, what systems we are going to go ahead and establish a relationship with and um, prepare, be prepared for uh, the uh, crankiness, if you will, of uh, the platforms, Facebook and YouTube. YouTube did restore us yesterday. After the show, we got a notification and uh, have to thank production for initially uh, voicing a, uh, an objection to the um, uh, ostracization, if you will, by YouTube of us. And then um, one wonders if YouTube actually listened to me yesterday, criticize them for being so uh, whimsical about how they address their issues that are really not issues. Uh, but anyway, we got a notification. Uh, I did. I received one that they had reviewed our complaint about their complaint and it decided their complaint was uh, overridden by our uh, complaint and restore us, if you will. Hope you didn't get lost in that. But we don't trust them. And uh, so we appreciate uh, the people who contacted me yesterday and said, we've got your back. Tell us what you need and uh, uh, we'll, we'll be there to help you. So uh, we're going to uh, take a look at a couple of backup systems and we'll keep you posted on how that's going. Um, and right now we're still continuing uh, with the Facebook and YouTube now, it's, it's uh, put us back up. So therefore, if you go to wordscottfiles.com, you will see the two shows that they had prevented as a result of taking us down. Not only did they uh, complain about a show that occurred way back in October of 2021, but they said, you can't put anything up going forward. And so we, uh, uh, they once they lifted that or re-examined their uh, the reasoning, they well, now we have them back. So, um, but we're prepared. That was kind of a shot across the bow that let us know really how things are going here in our country um, in many, many ways. We are, are, are the canary in uh, the mine shaft, if you will. And um, we are the pioneers here. I've got kind of a target on my chest and um, that's okay. It doesn't um, bother me at all because I feel like we're just having class and we're conducting a fair and open class discussion. I'm not censoring anybody, uh, even though some remarks are, um, you know, kind of zany to some of the people who watch. That's not my job to straighten that out. So, uh, um, except to address it with a logical reply. I've had some crazy things said in classrooms over the years. Um, 
uh, one of the funniest things I ever heard said was uh, by a female student who, when we were studying Hamlet, uh, we were also watching the great uh, 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 Shakespearean theater version of it. Uh, and um, with all the costumes that would have been appropriate in the original acting of Shakespeare uh, in the 1500s. And uh, one of the student, female students said that she knew what was wrong with Hamlet, why he was in such distress and uh, his, his pants were too tight. Uh, well, everybody in the room, as you can imagine, uh, exploded with laughter. It was really one of the most memorable, crazy things I've ever heard said, but we laughed. She, after all, she's one of us, she's there in the class, she's watching, she's listening, uh, she's paying attention, she's coming, but she just <laughs> lives in a different world. <laughs> and she did well on the test. So uh, she could restrain her zaniness once uh, she got ready to be answering the questions that were drawing her back into a realm of reasonable activity in her mind. <laughs> but I'll always remember that one as one of the really uh, off the wall deals. But generally what I learned from lots of things I learned from students, but you have to be careful about letting uh, some of the students with more outgoing personalities, if you will, monopolize the conversation and drown out the others. Um, that often happens when you have a live classroom. Uh, you have somebody who uh, just uh, other people let talk way too much. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and that person has little to say because the person never really is presenting anything that has been uh, a product of recent conclusion it's generally because it's pro, it's preaching. Um, uh, it, it's got some sermon. It's preaching. Maybe not. It doesn't think of it as a sermon, but it's got some steadfast dogma or scripture or script in its head uh, that it's maybe even got a bunch of other people like that person. They maybe even join. They may even belong to an organization of people like them, and they just go around promoting that. And it's the only way you can get on their island. Um, you must believe that scripture. And, you know, this is sort of a, a zealot religious type of uh, uh, behavior. Um, you know, if you take a look at churches, uh, one friend of mine said to me, uh, who was a great poet, John Shardy, said, if you can beg the money, dial God, uh, and um, if uh, a, a, a church answers, uh, hang up, because you're not getting to God. You're getting to a version of of of, of um, interpretation. And, and another person who watched this and understood it says, uh, you can always judge how fragmented the Christian, uh, uh, Christendom is by the number of adjectives in front of a noun Christian. So you might see the first Christian, the second Christian, the Baptist, the Pepperst, you know, all these different modifications of one thing. And as the, the, the spirituality of Yahweh, uh, the mon uh, radical monotheism it's referred to, uh, belief in one God. Uh, so um, it's, uh, you know, it gets, by the time it gets distilled and presented to the people, uh, it gets modified quite a bit to, to, uh, to uh, conform to a particular uh, interpretation that has been predetermined. Um, so, you know, this is all part of communication process. It's the way people work. And think and uh, they, some of them get very solidified in this. Um, you know, you know, it's not it's just not unique to say Catholics or 
you know, any, it's just, it, you know, although they can be some of the most extremes. And there's nothing more extreme, if you want to read it, uh, read The True Believer, uh, uh, by, uh, uh, you, you'll read the, the great work there by the longshoreman whose name escapes me right now, The True Believer. And uh, you'll see that um, uh, there's nothing more fervent than a convert, somebody who's converted to a particular belief. And then that becomes uh, really uh, the, 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 uh, the, the uh, life raft that prevents that person from drowning in a sea of doubt and confusion. Uh, they have to cling to that. And if no one else has it, um, then it becomes their job to soothe themselves by making as many uh, attempts as they can to get people in the same life raft as they're in. It troubles them if there are other life rafts out there that conflict or uh, are not as sim the same as their life raft. So um, that's all in, in the give and take of conversation, but it's not going on in the public media right now. It's just simply not there. Uh, we have got uh, really uh, uh, all sorts of restrictions, and that's what takes me uh, to that conversation. I want to start off a little. Today's show is titled Ukraine. I've been meaning to get to the Ukraine, and I'm going to get to it today and go through it a little bit with you and show you how this domestic problem that's invented in order to keep power here, uh, which plays the race card, is uh, really setting up a downfall for Europe. Um, you know, I, I wish we would grow out of this race conversation, uh, put that behind us. And as I said the other day, be a colorblind society rather than uh, keep emphasizing it. But it's so, it serves the purpose of so many people who all of a sudden have got big salaries because they're the director of diversity and inclusion. And at the expense of other things. And because this country is so obsessed with this, at least the Democrats are, we have set up the stage for the failure of Europe. And, 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 uh, and, and Europe is partly to blame itself. Uh, Germany has a big pacifist movement in it. Um, you know, they've been blamed for everything. Uh, Hitler's brought up more and more. Hitler is now compared to um, Trump. And, you know, you got these off the wall progressive leftists who drag that out of the history books and mis misuse it um, and throw it in there with racism and sling the mud and hope it sticks. And so you've had this pacifist uh, movement in Germany, which is going to be playing right into Putin's hands. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Um, I want to just give a tip of the hat to the Lady Gators basketball team that defeated a ranked Kentucky team yesterday, 77 to 52 under the coaching of Kelly Ray Finley, who right now is an interim, but who is obviously, I think, and if I think it, then everybody should think it, right? I think Kelly Ray Finley ought to have had the interim removed from her name and she'd be the head coach of the Lady Gators. Um, she has uh, done some things that, you know, are really amazing. And, and, and we'll see how it plays out. But hopefully uh, you'll pay attention to this team. I think they play here. Um, uh, Sunday, they played Kentucky in Kentucky. So that's another accomplishment that uh, makes it even more noteworthy um, to, to pay attention to. Um, and so far, uh, you know, we don't have the issue um, that we've got in swimming with uh, this fluidity of sexuality. 
Uh, even Bruce Jenner, who is no longer Bruce Jenner, who is a, a female version of Bruce Jenner. Um, Bruce Jenner was a, a Catholic, Catholic athlete and was on the cover of the Freedy Wheaties boxes as a male, is now a female. And even he, she has come out and said, uh, women's sports must be protected. And he harkened back to an example that people don't remember. We were getting our clock cleaned uh, by the East European when we still had the Soviet Union and the Iron Curtain. We were getting our uh, Western nations were getting their clock cleaned, if you will, that expression. In the Olympics, uh, all the Western nations, the women in the Western nations were being beaten by particularly the East German women. And the East German women, uh, Jenner said, uh, are, are not women. And we knew it back then, she said now as a woman. And we protested it then, that it wasn't fair that the uh, uh, East German nations, which did not play by the same rules that the Western nations did, allowed these really male females to participate and beat our females all the time. I thought that was a pretty interesting interview. You can probably Google that and get it. Uh, and I don't know when we're going to come to our senses, but, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we're going to keep talking about it because it's in the news and it's an interesting dilemma. And it's all part of this great pacification, uh, if you will, of, of, of uh, equality and inclusion and um, the destruction of meritocracy and uh, different roles of people. You know, rather than viva la difference, uh, everybody has uh, his or her strengths, which they bring to the table. Now everybody has to be the same and all those individual differences blurred and blended, which is just counterproductive to human nature, counterintuitive to human nature. Um, locally, we've got our old friends, the, uh, uh, the, the uh, boy named Lauren and his crowd. And uh, banana pudding, Harvey Ward, who never saw a dessert he didn't like, obviously, um, uh, talking about traffic and how they're going to go through the city streets and they're going to slow the speed limits down to 30. And they're going to put in all these risers, these speed uh, bumps, if you will. They no longer like to be called bumps because people can sue, you know, if those bumps are too extreme because they cause accidents rather than deter accidents particularly on, on, on motorcycles because it hoops you, whoops you up over and down and can give you quite a jolt. Uh, and there have been successful lawsuits against cities that have put in speed, quote unquote, bumps. And so now they're called risers and uh, you've seen them over or felt them if you live in this vicinity and go into, God forbid, you go into the Gainesville City and you have to go down University Avenue. Um, now the talk is of, of, of uh, making the speed limit, you know, and, and banana pudding really, you know, who never uh, liked any bus wraps that had a bikini girl on it, even though the doctor who paid for it, the plastic surgeon who paid for it had survived legal scrutiny and everything else. Banana pudding didn't like it because his uh, precious daughter might see it. And that might be an insult to her pure uh, sensibilities, but uh, uh, banana pudding, uh, doesn't like the turn left on the yellow arrow, nor does he like the turn right on red. So uh, here goes banana pudding off on some jaunt, uh, and they spent a bunch of money to go commission somebody to take a look at this and figure out how they can come back. You know, 
years ago, I promoted the idea, but it didn't get promoted, of course, because we have the 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 county courthouse and all that is downtown. Um, really, it should have been moved out of downtown and just turned downtown into uh, an area where arts and theater and and dining and all that stuff would flourish, which is done in Guadalajara, Mexico. Um, there is a section there that is totally free of the automobile. It's chained off. I really enjoy going there. Uh, I guess it's still there. And you go in and you get the, the you know, it's all everything is done according to uh, its artistic criterion and, and um, you know, fine work done by great craftsmen, which Mexico has. Um, uh, is there and there's no automobile. It's a walking community. You walk about. We could have done that. I advocated and I was on the historical society, the original one. I advocated that that be done at uh, uh, really basically you could have done it at 6th Street and um, gone over to probably um, as far as uh, the edge of the Chamber of Commerce building there and the library. And and on and you could have blocked that whole place off, except you had what you had uh, University Avenue going through it. So you could have you'd have to work around that because this is the confusion that Banana Pudding and uh, the boy named Lauren are creating. Um, not every street in the city is a city street, and you know you know you have you have federal highways in the city. 441 is a federal highway. I don't think you're going to mess with it much. Uh, the famous issue of this is the two-laning of Main Street, uh, which really is a state road, and the state maintained it, uh, and it was um, uh, uh, changed to uh, maintained by the city in order, and the state said, if you're going to make it two-lane, we're not going to be involved. Uh, you're going to take care of maintain it. So now the city, in order to have this uh, half-baked walk, see, it's not all, it's not a full walkability community. It's half-baked. So you got still got cars there, uh, but you got a two-lane road now maintained by the city. It is a state road. State washed its hands of it. And it runs all the way across the 8th Avenue up all the way up to the you know uh, automobile row there at 39th, and um, it's just a it's just a jammed up situation. So now banana pudding, who never saw dessert he didn't like, and uh, the boy uh, named Lauren have got this brainstorm. I checked with some of the I think I mentioned this yesterday. Some of the former influential people at Santa Fe College. If anybody ever remembers Lauren Poe from there, he wasn't on the college faculty. He was on the high school faculty. Nobody ever heard of the guy. And now here he is running the city. It, it is mind boggling how this happens. Um, it, it's just amazing. But if you only have 10% of the people involved, uh, you're fixing to get another one probably with this chestnut woman. You know, she is the one who engineered or participated in uh, the decision uh, about Pennsylvania Land Trust uh, uh, in, the, in, the, in the famous meeting that took place in the gymnasium at Santa Fe College, uh, where uh, Barley and Pinkison and uh, uh, Delaney, and uh, I think she was there then, and, and Chestnut, they all decided before the public hearing that they were going to turn down Pennsylvania Land Trust request. And uh, then they went and had a public hearing uh, 
at, which was a ruse, uh, which was just uh, a theater, uh, the decisions had already been made and, and uh, uh, acted as if they were going to wait until public input. They had already made up their mind. This is what really started the Ward Scott fraud files. Uh, when I got word of that, I began to investigate it and I was shocked. And I talked to one of the attorneys for Pennsylvania Land Trust who said that the attorney said that, uh, and I'll keep the identity of that attorney quiet, so I'll, I'll use a plural pronoun for a singular person. Uh, that attorney said they would always felt they were looking down the barrel of evil uh, when uh, they saw what was, and nobody would ever know it. And nobody would ever realize what Chestnut uh, had done. She, in a tape, and we made a tape of it, and played it on the air then, uh, that uh, uh, she would make sure there was popcorn for the people as they settled in to, to protest the, 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 uh, the, uh, their, uh, you know, participate in the conversation, which supposedly an open and transparent and honest conversation, which it wasn't, about the Pennsylvania Land Trust at 39th and uh, I-75. So um, the popcorn was what, this woman had, you can't stick a fork in her. She's back again. She'll be on the commission because um, of name recognition and because it's a choice between two evils. The other guy is being backed by the likes of Scott Camille and Hutchison and these people. So you really don't have any, any choice uh, in Gainesville politics. You're either going to get this version of a liberal or that version of a liberal. Uh, you're not going to get Ed Brady is the last one. And they went out and it was partly it was partly his own fault. Um, uh, but but they went after him. They couldn't stand him being a Republican mayor and getting things done. He's the best mayor the town's ever had. Uh, but, he, you know, they got they jumped on him. And uh, with Jeff McAdams, they, you know, kind of trapped him. We played that whole tape, which we heard um, uh, in a public place uh, engineered by, uh, uh, you know, who and her undermenians. So, uh, uh, you know, it's, there's a, there is a deep state in this community, too, and it is that run by the Democrats. So you're going to see in my projection of who will win the election. Uh, once again, you'll see a, a, a chestnut. So and it won't be uh, any different. Um, um, she'll be all about equity and inclusion and diversity. Um, that'll be the big, big theme. Now, uh, you just can't escape. It's just it's, it's where it is. And some people have come to me and said, you know, what really does do the blacks want? Uh, where does it end? They've got a black sheriff. They've got a black chief of police. They've got a black now controlling officer, whatever the heck that is. You got a black, uh, interim, you got a black city manager. Uh, and it just goes on and on and on. What really, what really is the end game? And, and you know, you have to ask yourself that. I don't know if it's got an end game at all. But it's out there, uh, um, uh, you know, still being tried to, to tr still trying to accomplish it. Now, um, it, it's it's interesting in that uh, uh, our, our our guy up in uh, uh, let me skip to this. I was going to hold this back a little bit. But I'll, I'll skip to it. Uh, our new governor in 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 in, uh, in uh, Virginia has done some things that are kind of interesting. Let me just skip over to the Midnight Auto Yard and pull this out. This is Governor Glenn Youngkin. Uh, he's realized, and this is according to uh, Kaylee McKee-White, 
who writes for the Washington Examiner, is coming covering this. He's realized that the only way to win uh, this battle against the critical race theory is to go after its ideological foundation and upon which it has been built. And uh, the core flaw he sees, and I think I want to pass this along to you for you to think about, students. He says that the idea that equality is determined by outcome uh, rather than opportunity. Uh, uh, you know, he, the, the, the equality is the opportunity. Everybody has the same opportunity. So less than a week ago after signing this executive order banning the teaching of the theory of critical race theory in Virginia public schools, he gutted, he did away, get this now, he did away with the state's office of diversity, equity, and inclusion. He did away with it. Are you serious? He asked all of its employees to resign. Are you serious? Can you imagine the earthquake that would cause here in uh, Liberalville? I don't know why it's called Gainesville. It might as well, and I'm waiting for them to change the name because General Gaines uh, was, was a, uh, was a, you know, Civil War officer. Um, wait, wait till they get around to changing that. Well, let's just go ahead and call it Liberalville. So here in Liberalville, uh, the shining city on the hill by the Lake of the Stupids that was first populated by DNA from the UFO, which landed here in 1947, um, this governor did away with entirely with the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion and asked all of its employees to resign and appointed Angela Saylor, who's a former Heritage Foundation executive, who's been critical of CRT, to take charge of that department. And one of her first acts was to change her title from Chief Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Officer, okay? And she uh, claim, claimed that the distinction between equity and opportunity is vital. Equity might sound non-threatening, but it's the basis, she says, of the toxic racism that critical race theories are based on. Equity, she says, is the real toxic word in the whole critical race theory. Um, so, um, it, you know, it, it, it considers every single disparity to be the result of inherent and systemic uh, racism. And, and, you know, everything is inherited and you can't get it out of the DNA of the coach. She doesn't buy that. And, and the, the, the Virginia governor doesn't buy that. And she says this is all an extension of racism. And, uh, uh, you know, this is uh, uh, not going to go on in her uh, department. And it's certainly not going to go on uh, under the guidance of the new governor of Virginia. Um, that's the two of them, Youngin and Saylor, are purging uh, the government of the concept of equity. And they're taking the word itself from any state documents. They're removing that word. Um, so uh, they're replacing it with opportunity. Um, you have the opportunity. You don't have some inherent uh, problem. We don't have an inherent with, uh, we don't have a problem with unequal. You have opportunity. And uh, this is going forward. Look to the future, not keep dredging up the past. I've been saying this, dredging up the past is like continuing to scratch the, 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 the scab off the wound. It gets you nowhere. The wound never heals. So uh, critical race theory 
is not going to spread throughout the government culture in Virginia. Um, it is quite interesting. It's going to emphasize instead ideas of fairness and belief that every person is entitled to the same rights and opportunities. And whatever that person makes of those opportunities is up to that person. Huh? Does that sound a little different? You're not entitled to a guaranteed outcome. You are entitled to an opportunity, but the outcome is up to you. Man, I mean to tell you, that is a whole different deal. Hey, there's a COVID poll that's out that shows us what we already know. I'm just going to briefly address this before we go into our uh, break. A Rasmussen poll showed that 59% of the Democrats support putting the unvaccinated under house arrest where they can only leave their homes for emergencies. Um, so that they, um, um, this poll asked, would you strongly favor, somewhat favor, somewhat oppose or strongly oppose uh, this uh, intervention by the federal government? And the Democrats favor the federal government requiring unvaccinated individuals to stay at home at all times with exceptions only for emergencies. Um, wow. Um, they're also in, in the poll, another 55% of Democrats said they favor the government fining, fining unvaccinated Americans. And uh, uh, th this, this is something that uh, Russ Musson was kind of surprised to see. And, um, and even if the fining didn't work, to jail anybody who asked any questions about the vaccine. So uh, uh, that's all an extension of federal control of the individual, which is antithetical to the conservative position. Uh, so you have a great dichotomy right there, which this poll reveals uh, you can find even in the attitude towards the COVID vaccination, uh, along with all kinds of suppression of free speech, um, that the Democrats support censoring any views, opinions, or commentary on social media that contradicts or undercuts the left's political agenda. We have been uh, recipients of that. If you question the left's political agenda, the Democrats favor censoring those views that question their left, uh, their political agenda. Oh, you can see the poll. You can Google that. You can see it for yourself. You don't have to trust yours truly. Um, um, so um, we'll take a break here and uh, play you a few ditties. Uh, hey, you know, you might as well play the one production about Corrine and the jug because um, the uh, uh, we covered yesterday that the um, um, everybody would like to have Corrine Brown's name taken off the RTS building. And the girl named Lauren and Banana Pudding, who never saw dessert he didn't like, won't even listen to it. We'll be right back on the Ward Scott Files. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. The Ward Scott Files gold sponsors are On the Spot Dry Cleaners, Okita America Martial Arts, r, r Construction, 
Gators Dockside and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com, and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. the biggest mouth around she thought she was the smartest rep in heels well she started up a non-profit and somehow made money off it and got involved in quite some dirty deals she's in the jailhouse now she's in the jailhouse now that's not the way a charity runs. She won't be having fun. She's in the jailhouse now. I let you. All right, welcome back to Ward Scott Files. Professor Ward Scott here in the manly Warthog Man Cave inside the Melton Law Studio, 352-325-3938. And um, I'd like to thank you, uh, thank our donors, thank our supporters, and uh, thank you students for coming to class. Um, the um, issue of Ukraine, I've been spending quite a little time researching it. Uh, obviously, you're, you're uh, entitled to... Um, uh, amended or uh, attached addendums to it or uh, give a different version. But essentially, the move that's being made by Putin on Ukraine, and there's no uh, article in front of Ukraine. You don't say the Ukraine. Uh, it is just Ukraine. Um, it's it's not, a, it, it, you know, not something like the United States of America, like you would not say the America. You would say America. So Ukraine is Ukraine. It's not the Ukraine. I uh, just thought I'd throw that in there as a grammar lesson. Uh, the reason Putin is moving is because he obviously has no respect for Biden. Um, Biden is like Jimmy Carter. Uh, that comparison has finally been made by somebody other than yours truly, um, who was just so ineffective and delusional about what it took to, to be powerful in the world. You know, you have to understand that the antithesis of love is power. And so whenever you become... Uh, Jimmy Carter, and you want to love the world into doing what you want it to do, uh, you have to realize that uh, you're not going to get anywhere or the world wouldn't need you to start with. It already would be, imagine, if you will, the, you know, the John Lennon, Le Lennon fantasy, uh, everybody getting along to get along. That ain't never going to happen. So what are you left with? You're left with power and power is evil uh, because it wants to subjugate others. So the world is essentially evil. This is the way one, I think, if you're a leader, you approach it. 
you don't approach it from the point of view that the world is essentially good. You approach it from the point of view is essentially evil. And the only thing the other dictators or rulers in the world respect is the alpha dog. And the alpha dog has always been us. Uh, initially, we were reluctant to be the alpha dog. Uh, we didn't want to get into World War I. We thought that was a battle between and among those countries in Europe. And finally, we got dragged into that. And uh, we didn't have a number for that war. We, it was called the Great War. And <clears throat> then along comes uh, the behavior of, of, uh, of Japan. And we began to number them sequentially. And then we began to predict, since we have a numbering system, since there's a one and a two, there has to automatically follow eventually a three. So then we began to hear comments about a World War III. And it becomes, if you're careful, not careful, a self-predictor of the future, something you have to fulfill of your own imagination since you created out of your own imagination. But we always have had uh, grapples for power. And um, Russia is really a weak place. It doesn't have a lot of uh, assets. It's basically landlocked. It's basically cold. Um, um, this I learned from uh, sharing the microphone with Ramsey Samurai on our foreign affairs uh, uh, um, shows together. Uh, he really understood, having worked for the State Department, uh, how really powerful uh, one needs to be in order to secure the world. There's a paradox here. You could used to see it on the SAC bomber bases. Uh, at the SAC bomber bases, you would see peace is our profession. And what they meant was we maintain peace because we are the most powerful and nobody wants to mess with us. And uh, the Knights even had this on their shields. Uh, the Knights had a shield where they in their gentleman attire were on the shield and then right behind them, they had the lion. But the important part of that is the lion was behind them. So they would meet you first as a gentleman, and they would have a gentleman conversation with you. But uh, that person with whom you were having, or that power with whom you were having that conversation, could see right there behind your hip the lion. And they knew darn good and well that you control that lion. And that if they were dishonorable with you uh, in negotiating with you, you would step aside and, uh, and uh, release the lion. And uh, then you had all hell to pay. Uh, that was a very important way that was put together and depicted. And that was our philosophy on the uh, strategic um, uh, SAC bases. Uh, uh, Wright-Patterson Air Force was one, right, uh, Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, uh, 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 with um, um, pieces of our profession out on, on the front of it as you go in. Um, of course, um, I understood that from going to military school that um, you, you, uh, you, the, the, the deterrence is what we're looking here for. You don't want to uh, get, get people, and, and absence of deterrence, people will do what they need to do to create justice. And if the government's power enough, powerful enough, they'll put them down. This is what this January 6th thing is about. People really got frustrated with the uh, hanky-panky all the way through uh, the collusion lies and all that business that Hillary Clinton was coming up with and the strict stroke stroke and the dossier and all this. And they saw this, they knew this and nobody would do anything about it. And then the, uh, there was the uh, 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 straw that broke the camel's back and that's where we are right now. But 
Meanwhile, Putin's been watching all this and he sees and he listens to stumbling, bumbling Joe. And in a moment, we're going to get into all the fact checks of his speech. I don't think the guy told the truth one time, which is difficult for the press to understand because the press, even though Ted Koppel has come out about this and Ted Koppel got his journalistic start when he began to report on the frustration the country felt at uh, Jimmy Carter being unable to get our hostages out of Iran. And that created Nightline. And uh, Jimmy Carter could never get uh, the needle budget off of zero. And Koppel's reputation went up as he continued to report about it. But even Koppel says today that uh, what's wrong with the media is it's biased and you can't trust it. And it doesn't know the difference between fact and opinion, which is one of the things we who teach rhetorical strategies uh, teach right away is the difference between fact and opinion. Uh, obviously, Biden doesn't know the difference between fact and opinion. And um, Putin knows that he doesn't know the uh, difference between fact and opinion. And Biden just recently at his press conference Wednesday suggested, uh, used the phrase a minor incursion. And immediately, Ukraine president said there's no such thing as a minor incursion. And bear in mind, Ukraine is where all the hanky-panky has gone on with Biden and his son uh, before Biden was president. And all of that has been swept under the rug by the press. So there's a lot more here than is meeting the eye. And Biden is reluctant to put his foot down. If he could, Putin doesn't think he can, even if he wants to. Um, and it even goes back, uh, according to a review uh, uh, that I'm looking at in several articles of been in the Wall Street Journal, it's been in other people's who are, the job is to uh, review our foreign policy. Uh, it goes back really to Barack Obama. I remember that Ramsey Samurai told me that he was watching Barack Obama, uh, either during his, one of his first speeches, and Barack Obama revealed to the world how many nuclear warheads we had and set it on television. And Ramsey said he about fell out of his chair. Uh, having worked for the State Department, Ramsey was in charge of nuclear nonproliferation. So he knew how many nuclear warheads, but you never, ever, ever, ever let the enemy see your playbook. And here Obama got up there and puked out our playbook. You know, this is this Obama character uh, has done more damage. Uh, when you take a look at it from the point of view of people who understand international diplomacy. And it started right then there, if you knew what you were listening to, an initial never, never do. And he does it as a leader of the only deterrent power in the world. Um, at that time, China's Navy was weak. Uh, China began to build its Navy uh, whenever they saw how weak Obama was. Uh, and Obama uh, allowed Russia to invade Georgia the previous year. Uh, Obama also called for a reset with the Kremlin that achieved nothing. Um, and um, um, uh, all, you know, all of a sudden it became apparent to Russia and Putin that the liberals are weak and that they can be pushed around and they won't say anything. And they won't uh, use the military because they are anti uh, military uh, and from the beginning. And you can take a look at what uh, Putin just saw. We're leaving. I, this is, just blows my mind. 
I know what it costs to buy a good weapon, a, a good rifle, a good pistol, to buy ammunition. I mean, we left all that stuff in Afghanistan, all of this stuff, planes and ammunition and weapons sitting there. You, you cannot be serious that this idiot did that. So Putin's watched this, and uh, he doesn't believe when he says the U.S. has not ruled out direct U.S. military defense. I can tell you who is there, and that's our National Guard. One of our uh, War Scott Files fans is in the National Guard and has been deployed for quite some time to that area of the world. So, you know, that has been going on. But it's not anything, well, it's really, if you think about it, rather sacrificial, isn't it? To go there with a half-baked military president, either you're you're not you're not half pregnant. You're either in it or you're out of it. You're not halfway in it. That's that's not going to get it done. So the the um, um, Biden has interpreted exactly the opposite that too much military presence would uh, cause Putin to invade. It's just nuts. And 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 furthermore, we really don't know what. Biden is making off Ukraine and those relationships. Um, so the biggie is uh, uh, is, is, is the uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Uh, Biden backed off his opposition to the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. The Nord Stream 2 pipeline runs under the Baltic Sea from Russia to Germany and supplies Europe with uh, gas. Uh, for heating. And um, um, Biden directed everyone to lobby uh, 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 to, to, to stop the opposition to Russia doing that. Um, and and uh, that has been a, a backdrop that once again, Putin has seen as a weakness. Um, because Putin understands that we are so discombobulated that Biden would back off and allow him to put that pipeline all the way to Germany underneath and yet put our own energy issues at risk here in our own country. So Putin, how would you read that? Would you read it? We're nuts. Um, so, uh, you know, he's looked at all this. He's looked at this chaotic withdrawal from, from, uh, from, uh, uh, um, Afghanistan. He's worked, he's looked at this crazy attitude we've got towards energy, uh, and he sees a divided and confused, this is another analysis uh, article here, he sees an, a divided and confused, and I like this phrase, let me see who, can, who coined this phrase, it's really something I'd like to steal, it's Russell Mead, Walter Russell Mead coined this phrase. <laughs> he says, Walter Russell Mead says that Biden see, uh, 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 Putin sees Biden has lost, are you ready for this? Golly, I'd like to steal this phrase. I wish I'd come up with it myself. Um, lost in a narcissistic fog of grandiose pomposity. Pompous. Isn't that, describe Biden, lost in a narcissistic fog of grandiose pomposity. And therefore, You've heard all sorts of words to describe it, delusional or dementia or anything. How about just narcissistic fog of grandiose pomposity? And uh, uh, 
all this business about voting rights and everything, confusing and bifurcating the country. Putin loves that. So he wants to, Putin, of course, put together really the Soviet Union, but he's got a little different plan that I've learned from studying this. He wants to reestablish ultimate control over Eastern Europe, but he's going to make deals with the rulers of those countries, and he's going to leave those rulers in place. And, uh, you know, he's going to allow them to rule as long as they are subordinate to his will. In other words, he's not going to disrupt the local government. It's kind of like the way I look at this, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like um, Gainesville being run by this Hungarian financier, that billionaire that finances everything. He even goes down and finances um, um, somebody. Give me his name again. I've forgotten it. Uh, he even goes down and finances, I'm told, uh, state attorneys uh, races because he, he wants to uh, make sure that those state attorneys are pacifists and that they don't uh, are not too heavy handed uh, when it comes to racial justices. Um, so it's um, I'm looking to see if anybody helped me out on that name. Um, the, uh, so this is the plan that Putin's got. He's going to, you know, if he invades uh, uh, Soros, thank you, Lord, Soros. Thank you, Lord. It is Soros. Soros, you know, Soros really runs a lot more than you think he does uh, because he leaves the individual structures in place. And so there's Soros money behind all these liberal governments. And Putin plans on using that model, from what I can tell. I'll let you research this on your own and, uh, you know, add addendums to it or correct me or help me understand. He's planning on doing that very same thing. It will it will not be. Uh, just my way or the highway, I'll have and what he's got, the card he's got to hold over their head is he's got energy. He's got the gas. Russia has got the energy that these Eastern Europeans need. So um, uh, there are of the 15 constituent republics of the old Soviet Union, over five of them, only five of them are holding a Putin at arm's length. And one of them is Ukraine. And Ukraine is really a kind of a battleground, as you can see, or a test for uh, how well uh, Putin's going to succeed with his model. Uh, German pacifism has uh, prevented any kind of conflict with Russia. Besides, Germany needs Russia's energy. So Germany is uh, subject to Russia, oil and natural gas blackmail. Um, and uh, meanwhile, uh, Biden has no plan. Uh, he's considered by Putin to be, uh, uh, the West is considered by Putin to be an intellectual and political failure. You know, it's it's really, really something when you think about it that way. I have to say, I mean, I can see what he's, don't you? Can't you see what he's talking about? Now, uh, uh, Biden, we're going to go back. This is, a, this is a Robert Kaplan writing about this. And he holds a chair in geopolitics at the Foreign Policy and Research Institute. Um, he says Biden rewarded Russia. And this would this is typical Biden, I think, from what I can see, by giving up opposition to Russia's Nord Stream 2 gas pipeline to Germany. Um, there you go. I mean, if you really wanted to crank down on 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 Putin and bring him under, you'd say, hey, buddy, we're not going to let you do that until you stop threatening your neighbors with military takeover. But, you know, 
Biden, I don't know where the guy, I don't know how, how did we get, well, I'm not going to go there. You can answer. How do we get in this mess? I mean, is any, you know, is, I gotta tell you, does anybody understand how we got in this mess? Who really understand it? And it's, it's getting worse. Now they're setting up this dummy revolt for this election in the fall. And that's all going to be the race card. Um, so there's a, a the, the containment, which used to be our philosophy and one of our foreign policy, uh, is not even there anymore. There's no such things. Uh, nobody uses that word. Um, um, yeah, that's where we are. And this applies not just to Russia, according to Kaplan. It applies to China as well. And I just alluded to that a minute ago. China has taken a look at Obama, has taken a look at Biden, and has realized how we can do anything we want to in the South China. We can let's build our navy, let's build islands out there, uh, let's threaten Taiwan. Um, you know, nobody's going to stop us. The United States Navy is not going to stop us. Uh, you know, the United States has no foreign policy with any consistency. It's got weak leaders. Um, they're just, uh, you know. Um, embarrassing. And meanwhile, you've got uh, a, a fact check. I, I look at this. This is, I don't really need it, but I thought I'd pass it along to you. Uh, you know it too. A fact check on, on Biden's speech. Um, he made at this rare press conference. Uh, let's see what some of the things are. He said that his plan cuts the deficit, boosts the economy by getting more people into the workforce. Exactly the opposite has been true. This build back better crap. Um, what else has he got? And I'm not going to go through it all. Um, he's very earnestly trying to make the case to the American people that uh, um, the election fall in the fall is, is uh, being set up for failure by the very same thing he's uh, accusing Trump of. He's now accusing the Republicans of in the fall. So if the Republicans sweep all the elections in the fall, Biden's going to swear up and down. It was another extension of the cheat. Um, which they, you know, are accused of, uh, as you know. And um, uh, he's blamed the inflation on the supply chain and COVID. Uh, he doesn't blame it on his fiscal responsibilities and obligations. Um, anyway, there you go. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of sickening, isn't it? I mean, to sit back and watch this stuff. Um, so he's, uh, he's trying also to really narrow in on this a little bit more. He's setting up the notion in people's minds that the 2022 election will be a uh, illegitimate. He's used that term. He hasn't backed off from it. Um, um, and the difference here is, according to this analysis, which is um, uh, an opinion piece that in, it appears in um, uh, several papers have looked at this, Examiner, the Wall Street Journal, and um, everybody kind of got this on their mind. But the big difference, obviously, that comes across is that every time uh, uh, Trump had 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 a uh, uh, you know had opened his mouth, um, 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 the, the press jumped all over him. Every time Biden opens his mouth, um, um, none of none of what Biden says is refuted by the press. So uh, this is pretty clear to everybody. You even, you even woke up, oh, oh, uh, oh. Uh, um, um, Ted Koppel from his sleepy couch, and he sees it too. Um, in fact, uh, Biden's claims are being encouraged by the Schumers and the Palsy Pelosi's and these people. 
even though they don't have any good evidence and uh, even though uh, there's no proof to their claims either because the race hasn't even happened yet. Um, so it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a crazy, crazy, that Putin's watching all this and he's, and he's testing it. He's going to see just exactly uh, what we got going on here while we do this election subversion hunt. Um, this whole thing is, um, you know, being watched by, by, by Putin and these other leaders around the world. I think they would give us a very low scope card. Now, now, uh, of course, Jason Riley, who is one of my uh, guys that I really uh, tout, um, he says, and he's, the only, he's able to get away with it because he is black, he says that there's all kinds of racial progress that has been made in this country, but the Democrats not only won't admit it, um, they want to keep using it because it gives them uh, divisiveness, and the divisiveness stirs up confusion, and then they can create the narrative they want to create. Um, so um, that then, uh, um, and, and, and Riley says, and this is pretty daring. We, uh, I don't think a white guy could say this. Uh, uh, and, uh, Riley says that the Democratic Party depends on keeping black people scared and paranoid. Now, let me repeat that for you. Jason Riley, who is a black person, very, very bright guy, writes for the Wall Street Journal, also on some of the talk shows. You get a chance to hear him. Take a listen says that the Democrat Party depends for its power on keeping black people scared and paranoid to maintain their support. I've been saying this all along and I get called a racist for saying it, but Riley, you know, he's, you know, this it's, that's the way it is. That's the way the Democrat Party raises money. That's how they evaluate who there's going to be their candidate. Um, uh, and if there's any racial progress, <coughs> the black, the Democrat Party plays it down or ignores it altogether. That's certainly true in Gainesville. My God, is it ever true in Gainesville? I mean, crying out loud. These people are acting like nothing's been accomplished in Gainesville, and I don't know of anything in Gainesville that they can't do. They can't do. You know anything you can't do if you're black in Gainesville? So this, this nasty tirade coming out of the mouth of the Democrats um, I'm going to continue probably a little bit more of this. I don't have time to go completely into this discussion by by Riley, but it's um, it's pretty significant, and uh, and he's the one who can who can nail it. I'll, I'll go into into it much more detail when I got time to do it some justice. But uh, uh, just take those two two um, thoughts from him and and tell tell me if you don't think they aren't right on. Um, yes, and according to Rasmussen, Michael Biden is. I, I've seen him down in uh, Biden down in the 30s in popularity. Um, so we'll see how it works out. Um, thanks for your production. We are looking in backup systems. Uh, um, we're having a um, really fortuitous, probably, that we were forced to type a look at some of the other ways in which we're doing things. I just realized, how was my light today production? I forgot to turn on one of the, my spotlights. Am I being seen all right? Um, it's okay. All right. So, um, yeah, I have a light here. I should shine on my shine the light, but I forgot to turn it on. Okay. Hey, have a great weekend. A Warthog Command Center out.